Welcome, friends. Welcome back. If you're joining us again or if you're here for the first time, welcome. We are thrilled to have you. This is our Q&A show, Going Deeper, where we get a chance to sit down with some of our staff, our pastors here at MRCC, and discuss God's teaching in greater detail. So joining us today is Pastor Greg. Um, thank you for being here, and we're going to discuss the set-apart sermon body yeah. uh, today. So this particular sermon is to sort of help illustrate and teach us that although we're individuals, we belong to a body, and it's God's desire for us to be interdependent, that is, collective and dependent on each other, uh, to rely on and celebrate each other's uniqueness. So first question, let's kick right off into it. Early on in the sermon, we're presented with uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Yeah. So uh, what does this mean? Yeah. You know, is God's love incomplete outside of loving each other? What, what, how does that work? No, that's a good question. Now, the word complete means whole. Com, uh, means uh, visible, tangible, revealed. Uh, it has all those connotations to it. So... There's a wonderful uh, kind of background to this biblically. When God gives the Ten Commandments to Israel, you know, the second commandment that he gives is, is often just overlooked. He says, don't make any image of me. Uh, and he did that for a very specific reason. First of all, that was unprecedented in human religious history. Prior to that time, God always had an image, you know, whether it was an Egyptian, Mesopotamian, Assyrian, yeah. whatever. There was an image, right? And and uh, religions, faiths identified themselves by their image of God. Well, along comes this new faith, this Jewish faith, and God specifically says no image. And, and we might be... Uh, you know, uh, kind of prompted to ask ourselves, well, why, why is that so important that it's a commandment? Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, you know, that don't make a picture. Of right. <laughs> don't right. Why is that a big deal? Well, the reason is, is because God intends us to become the picture as we love one another, serve one another, as we live together in community, whether that's a friendship or a marriage or a family or a church, uh, when we live together in love, we represent the reality of God more completely than in any other thing. So if I can kind of expand on this, um, if I'm stranded on a desert island by myself, my ability to experience God is actually diminished Yeah, because I need another human being to experience more of him. And so uh, what Paul's writing about in 1 Corinthians 12 is this reality. He says, this is the, the, the reality of Christ, is that when we come together into communities of faith, then God is experienced by us more completely, more thoroughly than apart from that. Uh, and so that's that's the idea. Absolutely. And this is, and we talked about this in our, our um the episode from last week's little sermon bit, little bit, a little yeah. bit just about how important going to yeah, you know fellowship. church and fellowship is. Yeah. So um, absolutely. Okay, uh, let's move on. We shift uh, in, in a bit into hearing that it's our sinful or our human nature yeah. that causes us to lean toward forming cliques yeah. and sort of avoiding diversity. Yeah. And, and I think it can be a little tricky understanding what exactly our sinful nature means or our human nature. Is our human nature entirely sinful or is it just aspects that were introduced that sort of corrupted our human nature? Yeah. Is some of our human nature righteous? Like, how does that work? <laughs> well, you know, biblically, 
uh, we, we have no righteousness of our own, right? So our human nature is utterly corrupt. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't aspects of it that are good. Okay. Yeah, okay. But w- how it applies in this particular situation is that we tend to try to define and affirm ourselves by contrasting ourselves with others. Yeah. So we say, hey, I'm fast, he's slow. Hey, I'm big, he's small. Or uh, she says, you know, same thing, mm-hmm. same kind of idea. So when we do that, it's a neurotic, unhealthy effort to affirm ourselves instead of appreciating the other person. And, and the real tragedy is that when we're always trying to affirm ourselves instead of appreciating the other person, we cut ourselves off from the greatest kind of self-affirmation, mm. which comes when I appreciate you. Yes. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, God calls us together on purpose. The Bible actually says that he makes us different on purpose. It was his plan because in our differentness, I learn more about him from your, your uniqueness. You learn more about him from my uniqueness. And we experience him to a greater degree when we're around people who aren't like us, right? Yeah. Um, you know, humanly, if you look at your life, you everybody's experienced this before. Yeah. But God is kind of, uh, you know, institutionalizing it, making it uh, a, a structured, disciplined practice when he calls us together into churches. And he says, hey, I, I've made you different. On purpose. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I have this identity. I'm, so I don't want to be with people who are different. God says, no, you need the people who are different because that's when you experience me. So, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Related to this same section, uh, you shared an illustration about uh, a friend of yours who felt they didn't belong in church because everyone acted a certain way yeah. and they didn't sort of fit in, which you shared is, is sort of the wrong way to think about it, right? Yeah. You know, as we just talked about just yeah. now, it's kind of backwards. Is it dangerous if a church has a church culture? Where, wherein everyone sort of looks and acts so similar is, yeah. do you think that that's kind of a dangerous thing to get into? Yeah, it's a, it's a defensive protective impulse of the sinful nature. You know, God made us to delight in diversity. He made us because his, his creation is infinitely diverse, right? Why, why do we want to travel? <laughs> we want to travel because we want to see new and yeah. different things, right? So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of stunting yourself um, to expose ourselves to people from all different backgrounds and and uh, and perspectives and temperaments and all that. Right. Um, that's why in that passage, Paul says, hey, no matter where you came from. When you were baptized into Christ, you gained an identity that transcends all the others. We're going to talk a little bit more about yeah. that in just then a minute, Then he says, too. enjoy all the yeah. others because this one transcends them. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and little last tag on to follow up to that. Is there a specific Christian culture trend that you've witnessed in your time as a believer that you never understood or that you wish it never happened? Oh, lots of them. My yeah. Can goodness. you give us an example or two? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I can give you lots of examples. You know, we talked in this series about how sometimes Christians have uh, gotten into the fad of wanting power in the government. That, that confuses me because Jesus refused power yeah. over the government. He said I, that that doesn't help. So there's an example. Um, you know, another example is, uh, you know, uh, believers sort of uh, glomming onto this idea that, you know, a certain kind of a haircut is more godly than another, right? Or that uh, having tattoos or not having tattoos. A certain instrument that doesn't belong. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, um, all those things. God created us to delight in diversity, you know, within his 
you know, his boundaries. And we talked about that early in the series as well, you know, with regards to sexuality. But inside of those boundaries, we're meant to rejoice in the differentness, you know. Yeah. Uh, some of my um, most treasured moments is when somebody else shows me a perspective on something I never saw on my own. Yep. My wife does that all the time. So, yep, yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, moving on. Uh, we learn, continuing, that when we're born again, like you mentioned, we're given a new identity in yeah. Jesus that transcends our other identities, yeah. you know, race, class, family history, so on and so yeah. forth. Uh, but what role, if any, do those lesser identities still play in our faith? And, and how does that look? Are those still things that we should that should be prominent in some ways and in forms. What does that look like? Yeah, I, I think they should be, but I mean, biblically they should be, uh, you know, uh, but they always yield and defer to the greater identity. So, uh, you know, if I'm a young person, I don't say to myself, I only want to go to a church full of young people. That's exactly counterproductive. You know, if I'm an old person, I don't want to have a special service just for me so I can do my old songs. You know, yeah. one of the things we value here at MRCC is we we mitigate against those those lesser identities all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can embrace that greater identity and then enjoy the diversity that comes from it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they all have their place. I mean, I, I, I like my sports and you like your sports and yeah. I like my music and you like your music. And to celebrate those things is great. The key is that all those have to always defer to the greater identity. If you call Jesus your savior, then you're my brother and you're my friend, no matter what else we may disagree on. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Um, moving on, we're taught that much like a body, right? This is the illustration that we, we focus on that much like a body has multiple parts that all function together as one unit. We as believers are all gifted in different ways to serve differently, yeah. right? And and to come together as the body of Christ. Yeah. And we're taught that we shouldn't look down on parts of the body that seem less important because mm. they're just as if not more important. How so? And and if someone considers themselves less gifted than many others, how are they to be reassured and encouraged by this illustration? Is it just sort of like a because God says so deal or is there more to it? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot more to it. You know, uh, I, I've talked a little bit about First Peter 4.10, which is a profound verse. It says, each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms, right? So, um, you know, how do we contribute when we come together? Well, first of all, our mere presence is an encouragement. You know, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that when we come together, we encourage one another simply by our presence. Everybody's felt that. You walk into a room where there's a lot of people, you feel more affirmed than you walk into a room where there's just a few, you know? But then on the other side of that coin, uh, each of us outwardly expresses all kinds of different identities. And when we come together, the implicit message in that is that all those identities are welcome, right? So if, if I don't go and bring my identity, then, then somebody else doesn't feel the affirmation that my appearance or manner or temperament or whatever provides, right? So the introverts need to know that it's okay to be introverted here, right? The extrovert needs to know the same thing and, and the, the, everything that goes along with that, um, presence is a kind of affirmation. Every parent knows that every child knows that every family knows that every friend knows that. So, uh, merely coming together in our differentness makes each individual feel 
better about their different. They're affirmed in their uniqueness. So yeah, uh, you know, and then, you know, it, it gets into really practical ways. There are people who are very good at greeting. There are people who are less good. There are people who are great at worship, people who are less giving, praying, serving, and all those things. Um, and we need all of that. So yeah. Yeah. I think the the part where some, some of us can struggle is that it does, with the illustration of the body in particular, there's certainly some body parts that seem like they would be much easier to go without than others, right? And so it's <laughs> well, tempting I don't know about to, that. <laughs> but it's tempting to, to maybe think that it might be the same way. Like, yeah. well, what if I'm, you know, a, a pinky finger, right? You know, that's mm-hmm. not as important as the heart or something like that. But the reality is that it's, it's it not is. That and, way. and, you know, uh, Paul cleverly uses an illustration. I mean, you know, if I were to ask you, Brent, which part of your body are you willing to part with? You'd say none. <laughs> none. I would not be particularly happy to part right? with any of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Now, taking this idea to the extreme other end, is it possible for us to be too different? while still being united in Christ, is there some amount of homogeneity or, or being alike that is, uh, you know, good? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's an old song that I think gives some of the greatest relational advice that's out there. And the old song goes, hold on loosely and don't let go. If you hold too tightly, you're going to lose control. Um, God intends for uh, us to come together like a body in, in loose affirmation of each other, not in a controlling, constricting affirmation of each other. You know, if you took one part of your body and, uh, you know, decorated it and tried to make it uh, the main part of your body, um, you know, th- that would be weird. And be everybody weird. would know yeah. it and they could see it and they'd go, what's yeah. up with you, you know? But when we, uh, all the parts of the body have, as Paul says, equal regard for one another. You know, hey, my hand, just to use the illustration, my hand says, hey, I'm I'm part of Greg. I'm not all of Greg. I'm not independent of Greg, but I'm part of Greg. Then that's appropriate. And in the same way, when we go to church, right, uh, we should not feel the need to surrender our uniqueness, right? Uh, you know, in non-sinful ways, right? But we should be uh, comfortable in loosely affirming others without necessarily embracing their ways. Yeah. You know, Paul's going to talk over in Romans about some people feel comfortable eating meat, sacrificed idols. Some don't, Hey, be good with each other, give each other space. So this hold on loosely idea, yeah. uh, I think is key. Almost more so that rather than being similar in the way that we look or act or think or behave much like the body, we're similar in what we're pushing towards, what, exactly. we're, what we are focused on, what the goal, the body, all of the parts of the body, although they look so different are all focused on helping the body achieve what it's doing. Right. Yeah. So I would only adjust one word. I would say we're all united in who we are. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, because one of the important realities of being the church is that, I mean, I've been in church now for 40 years, right? Since I became a believer And so I've had a time to learn a lot of things, but all around me are people who haven't learned yet. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I expect them to match my level of learning, we're in trouble. Yeah. But if like a good grandparent, I draw near to those grandchildren and I say, wow, there's so much they haven't learned yet. I'm going to meet them where they are. 
oh, that's glory. Yeah. Right? So that's what God wants for us. Absolutely. All right. Our, our final question then, and I was a little hesitant to put this in here, but it, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen this topic being discussed a lot and it kind of tangentially relates to somewhere that we go in the sermon. Cause we talk about the idea of the consumer church and yeah. this idea of what can church do for me and just how, um, you know, the church getting involved and in this idea of, you know, feeding people what they want to see or what they want to hear. A little bit of a side tangent, but I've seen a lot of discourse online about the, the He Gets Us ad that aired during yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I just wanted to, to discuss it a little bit. And and the main thing that it seems got a lot of people talking is that this ad was a, a part of a larger campaign by the He mm-hmm. Gets Us you know, Corporation, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it cost them about $100 million, reportedly. And many are criticizing both the enormous amount of money spent <laughs> on it and the idea that there might you know, be some dubious groups helping with the funding or it might not be entirely, you can't pin down exactly who and the good intentions behind it. What are your thoughts on this? Is God glorified in such an expensive consumer focused campaign? Like Absolutely. It's a great question, Brandon. There's a couple of specific biblical answers. So the first one is this, you know, a woman came to Jesus and poured out a jar of perfume on his feet that cost a year's wages. And uh, she did that as an act of worship. And the crowd that saw this had the same reaction you're describing. They said, wow, that's a year's wages. You know, that could have been better used elsewhere. It could have been sold and given to the poor, right? Yeah. Jesus, who we might expect to affirm that attitude, instead turns around and says, what she has done is a beautiful thing. Now, why did he say that? Well, he said that because that came from her heart. That was her gift given to him, right? It was personal. It was love expressed personally. And he said, that's the most valuable thing of all. So whoever put together this program, whatever they spent on it, uh, Jesus would say, oh, that's an effort to tell the truth about me, to show who I am. That's beautiful. And he would rejoice in that, knowing that that had potential to affect everything else far greater. The other side of the coin is that Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, hey, don't stress over whether that other preacher over there is sincere or not. Yeah. He says, some of them aren't. He says, but if they're telling the truth, he said, then that's that's what matters. And at the end of the day, uh, the gospel isn't about the sincerity of the one who preaches it, but the truth that it itself represents. So, you know, would we rather that somebody else ran a program like that sure but the but that misses the point the point is that the programs are being carried out so right? biblically both sort of arguments that a lot of people are taking and, and seeing about this are addressed they're mistaken uh, in, yeah, yeah they're directly addressed in yeah scripture. absolutely yeah. okay uh fantastic a great place to sort of wind us down and just real quick before before we end i wanted to uh just reach out on the last uh episode that we filmed we had got to answer a comment that someone posted on one of our previous videos if you have any questions that yeah. you would love to have answered or things that you want to know about, uh, post them in the comments Please down do. below. Uh, I read all of the comments on our videos. I will see it uh, and we will try to work it in as best as possible. And even if that means maybe we do a video that's not topically sure. sermon related, Absolutely. but we just address some comments as we rack up a little bit of a list. Uh, we would love to hear that from you. So feel yeah. free to reach down in the comments and, and yeah. jot down your questions. We'd love to hear those. But to close us out for this episode, yeah. if you could leave folks with one encouragement or reminder from this sermon, what would it be? If you want to experience more of God, then give yourself to a local body of believers and allow God to speak to you through those experiences. It won't be perfect. It won't be perfect. But if you go with a heart of seeking God and say, hey, I'm going to make myself part of this community, I guarantee he'll meet you in it. Uh, And you'll know it. 
Absolutely. Uh, well, that's all for this episode, folks. Greg, thank you so much for Be sitting back. down Thanks and sharing with us. And thank you for watching uh, this episode of Going Deep.